The Law Report with Michael Matuelingo, Kaya FM 95.9. A very good evening and thank you so much for joining me on The Law Report tonight. My name is Michael Matuelingo and it's good to be with you this Wednesday evening. What are we talking about today? We're talking about something that I guess to a large extent is in the minds of many South Africans. We've seen how the Zondo Commission has revealed to a large extent um, the, the degree of the state capture. And a lot of South Africans are asking themselves whether this extends to the judiciary. But this is not a question that probably arose in recent times. For many South Africans, it's been a question that's been lingering on their mind for a very long time. And I think it's easy for this to arise because you can imagine when somebody loses a case, the most convenient thing to say is to blame the presiding officer. So we're talking about the state of the judiciary. We're talking about the independence of the judiciary. And we're talking about the role of the judiciary in current South Africa. That's the law report. So I look forward to engaging with you. As always, you can give me a ring by dialing the number 86 959 I look forward to your tweets as well. I'm at Motoring Bill. That's my Twitter handle. Call us and let's have a conversation. Know your rights. Know the law. The Law Report with Michael Matuening Bill. I want to start the show, um, you know, um, and just maybe providing a little context because when we talk about the judiciary, for many of us, the judiciary goes back a few years ago. And I'll give you a little story about myself. I mean, I remember, and I, and I often tell younger lawyers that, you know, they in many ways are very lucky because I remember when I was studying law, um, um, back in the in the days, when you read case law, there was no black names coming up. The only time you saw a black name was when it was state versus Kumalo or state versus Mkwanazi. It was never a judge. It was seldomly a judge. I shouldn't say never, but quite seldomly. And it was never uh, the lawyers. So you'd find that the players in the in in the courtroom would almost invariably be white. And I think that. Great strides have been made um, by the judiciary to transform it, not only in terms of race, but also in terms of gender. And, um, and I think that, you know, uh, the judiciary in the legal fraternity is certainly, um, you know, has achieved a lot more than what other sectors have achieved. I think that the statistics perhaps for the attorney's profession, uh, advocate's profession would be a little bit less pleasing than what the judiciary has, has done. And I'll, I'll share with you some stats in a minute. But that's not what we're actually talking about. We're not just looking at it from a transformation point of view. But I just thought I'd just share with you how sort of, you know, we are kind of that first generation where you never could read about yourself. I mean, you never could read about your own people. And now you get to read about yourself, which is in and of itself quite a privilege so so i think we've been lucky in that sense but also unlucky in another sense because studying law and to a large extent and perhaps i speak only for me it was unrelatable and i think if you're a lawyer now and you're watching the news and names like Dalimpofu are popping up um and names like Mugai Tobi are popping up and i think it's it sparks certainly uh, something in you names like judge you know um uh, judge mashile um who you know has achieved enormous um, success in the profession um, and and by the way a lot of people don't know this he's blind um, and and we have a cons- a Supreme Court of Appeal that is headed by a female judge what a remarkable time to live in so so that's the judiciary in a nutshell but but it's not only about what I think about it it's uh, you know it's 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 really about what are the developments that have been happening you'd you would have seen that there are 
complaints, not for the first time, about the judge president in Cape Town, Judge Lope. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, and there's so and and there's his counter complaint against the judge that complained about it, about him and his wife. So a lot is happening because when we talk about judges. You know, we do say, and, and I think that it's generally accepted that judges must be beyond reproach. And when you hear complaints like this, then one starts to wonder. I read an article, um, it's interesting but sad, where at some point um, somebody wrote in respect to the Kenyan judiciary that, you know, why bother trying to get the best, trying to buy the best lawyer when you can buy the best judge. And that that is sort of, to a large extent, very scary. I think it certainly is scary to me, if even to get to that point where you can talk about that. But you know, I know people say raise issues about the judiciary, but I've never, I've never experienced it. Even though I've been a lawyer for a few years. Secondly, um, I've never seen anything tangible where this is alleged. And so, if you have some kind of experience, it could be a magistrate, um, it could be a judge, it could be if you've had some kind of experience in 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 interacting with the law, do give us a call. You know, what are your perceptions? Do you trust it? Do you do you get the sense that we got you back? Give us a call. Oh eight oh eight six double zero double zero nine five nine. I want to welcome uh, my guests uh, uh, that are joining me uh, from the phone. Um, I want to welcome, firstly, um, uh, an esteemed guest uh, that is the former Constitutional Court Judge, uh, Judge Krichler. Uh, judge Krichler, uh, thank you so much for joining us on the Law Reports. Good evening to you. It's lovely to be here, and good evening to you and to your listeners. I was so excited when my uh, producer confirmed with me that. Um, you'd agree to talk to us, and I thought, geez, you know. I'm not hearing you that well, I'm sorry. It's, it's, I was saying that I was very excited when my producer told me that um, you'd agreed to talk to us, and, uh-huh. I thought, um, and I thought to myself, you know, we should actually have you in the studio and actually talk not only about the legal issues, but in fact about you. And so I hope one day we get to, we get to have a sit down and, and talk about the man behind the judge, as it were. Uh, but but anyway, the man well, behind it is pretty boring. His, his <laughs> topic is very exciting. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, well, I'll be the judge of that in due course. Let me also welcome um, 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 my my other guest. Uh, I'm, I'm also going to be joined um, by Alison. Alison, I'm sorry, but to call you only by your first name. Your your surname is not uh, on my screen as yet. But uh, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome to the Law Report. Hi. Um, I, l- let me perhaps start with the judge, um, with Judge Krichler. And, and, and I think uh, y- y- when we talk about the judiciary, um, one can't help but wish to go back a few years and, and, and talk about the judiciary and the trust relationship um, that exists between the people of South Africa versus the judiciary. And and if I can invite you, uh, 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 Justice Griefler, to maybe just sort of talk about the times, the dark days where we come from, and how we were able to achieve this remarkable, this remarkable uh, success of of transitioning not only the judiciary but the minds of the South Africans to believe that if there is that that they truly have recourse to the justice system. for a six-month course. Are, are you still with me? Are I, you still yes, I'm still with you. Uh, to put it in a couple of minutes, it, it's extremely difficult. Mm. But let me go to fundamentals. 
the difference between chaos and order, between slavery and freedom, is the law. The difference between oppression and equality is the law. And we have a constitution that says that the law must ensure that all South Africans are equal. It can never ever mean that because some were born rich and some were born poor Mm. and some are white and have many generations of advantage behind them and others are black and have none of that. But the law must try to be a a governor between all of that, an an equalizer and also a link. That sounds frightfully academic and serious. It actually isn't. Mm. The fact is that if somebody says to you, I will sell you this for X rand, you must be able to go to court and say, that bastard told me he'll sell it to me, and he has now backed out, order him. Mm -hmm. You have confidence, the law will order him to do so. A policeman gives you a club, you can go to court, you can have him punished for that. Somebody insults you, you can go to court and get an order. The law is that force that keeps us together with one another, notwithstanding our political and our historical and our ethical differences. The Constitution says we're all the same. We're all equal. We all have exactly the same rights before the law. That's the theory. If I the can bring yeah. is the judges and magistrates, all judicial officers are human beings. They make mistakes. They have their backgrounds. They have their biases. They have their cultural angles and perspectives. As long as they are honest and they do their honest job of work and they're subject to correction by other courts if they've made a mistake, they're doing their job. And that's all we can expect of them. That's more or less a mouthful, isn't it? It, it is indeed. It, it, it is indeed. So let me bring in uh, Alison Tilly. And uh, Alison is from uh, Judges Matters. Uh, Alison, apologies about the poor introduction earlier. But uh, one of the things that, you know, we often talk about is, um, you know, the separation of power between the judiciary, the executive, as as well as the legislature. And, and, I, and, and I just want to touch on... You know, I just want to touch on the part about the judiciary um, and and its independence. You know, so when you look at even the you know appointment of judges, in many ways it touches on and there's an interrelationship of you know the politicians who sit on the JSE and of course um, attorneys in practice and 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 often people ask the question, who judges the judges? Um, if even the JSE is headed by the Chief Justice, who is part of the judiciary, when we talk about the separation of power, does it does it truly exist as a matter of fact? And and is there you know is there is there sort of something to worry about? Are there areas within which we could then say, hang on, this is a threat, and this is what we need to address going forward? I, I do think separation of justice functions well above average in South Africa, yes. But I do believe that I could come and spend an hour with you in the studio to talk about this, because it's it's not as simple as it looks. Mm. The separation of powers is the parliament makes the laws, the executive, the cabinet, 
and the judicial service implement the laws and the judiciary sees to it that the executive carries out the laws and sees to it that the lawgiver parliament doesn't make laws that the constitution says you can't make. It's just the referee in this game. That's the theory. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work too badly in South Africa. Sometimes the executive goes too far, sometimes the legislature does, sometimes the judges do. They must always be watching one another with jealous but, but indulgent eyes. We're all on the same side. We're all trying to promote the transformation of South Africa into the democracy that the Constitution promises and that we dream about. But we make mistakes because we're human beings. Mm. And you will correct me and I will correct you. Judges are different from the other two. Judges are not elected by anybody. They don't have a career in the judiciary. Judges are people who are appointed at a particular stage in their lives to play a particular role for a limited period of time. And they're human. Mm. They make mistakes. But in principle, they try their damnness to be independent, to be honest, to apply the law as they see it, and to apply the constitutional principles as they see it. I think in South Africa... The separation of powers, these three pillars of state power, function more than adequately well. There are problems at times, at times politicians overstep the line and say judges are being biased. At times judges overstep the line and make orders that were possibly more than was was within the jurisdiction. Alison, if I can just bring you in, I mean, we've seen uh, sort of interviews um, at the Judicial Services Commission when um, judge or prospective judges are, are being interviewed and some of the the questions and some of the decision makers are clearly politicians and bear political perspectives to to these interviews. Uh, uh, is the composition of the JSE and the operation of the JSE um, adequate to ensure that we really um, are, um, sort of move moving in a in a in a direction that the country should be moving in, as opposed to being limited to political considerations, to narrow political con- considerations? Well, I think there are some problems with the the interviews uh, that the JSC does. I mean, one of the the most obvious ones that everybody notices is is how different the interviews are in terms of the time Mm. they're given. So some interviews are four or five minutes, and we've had interviews of up to three hours. Um, So there's, there's a lot of unevenness in the allocation of time to candidates. Mm. There's a lot of difference in questions. Mm-hmm. Some candidates get tough technical questions, um, you know, looking at rules of evidence or, you know, the requirements for an urgent application. And other candidates will be given really softball questions which which don't have any 
technical content to them. Mm. So I think what we see from the process is that it is uneven, mm-hmm. um, unlike the Magistrates Commission, interestingly, where they're much more rigorous um, allocating even time and asking the same questions, and making sure people have an opportunity to, um, you know, fairly demonstrate their, their grasp of the issues. I'm not familiar with the magistrates one. Maybe if you can just take us through and, and particularly um, how it is carried out. And, 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 and I think the first most obvious thing is it's probably not as popular because it's not televised. Maybe just take us through some of the, the what you would consider le- lessons to be learned from that process. Well, we, as judges, we live stream the JSC. Yeah. Um, it's only two weeks a year. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like longer, but it's, <laughs> it's only two weeks a year. Um, the Magistrates Commission, however, um, have many hundreds of interviews. Um, and there, there's just, there's no way we could live stream at all. Uh, we're trying to figure out a way of making it more accessible um, to the public. What we have seen in the interviews that we've, we've sat in on is that uh, the way they do it is more uh, structured. So the regional court president for that province will lead the questioning of that candidate. They'll ask uh, similar hard questions, mm-hmm. um, looking at, in the last round, uh, a focus on sexual offences. Uh, what are the minimum sentences? What uh, are the requirements for a child witness to be able to give evidence competently? Um, they'll then... You know, after it's a, their it's very technical, time, very mm, yeah, mm. hard, um, and then they'll then step back, and then the politicians will step in and look at the more social context questions. Right. You know, what is what are your views on transformation? Uh, you're looking to move to a new area. What do you know about that area? Do you speak the local language? Mm. Um, have you done any research on on the area? So it's a. I would have I would have said a more uh, more rigorous, more mm. holistic, and I think fairer, because everybody gets uh, everybody gets a fair chance to answer questions and to to show off, you know, whether they they know their stuff or not. One of the interviews at the JSC that stands out for me is the interview with um, um, uh, senior counsel uh, Tina Malinda um, and um, yes. Malindi, sorry, yes. and and yes. that was remarkable because he had had a a running with one of the um, uh, JSE uh, members, uh, Mr. Malema, um, who was wearing that yeah. hat. And yeah. he had, I think he had prosecuted or chaired a, the disciplinary hearing of Mr. Malema when he was still with the ANC Youth League. And years later, now he has been interviewed by Mr. Malema. And, 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 I, and I, felt, I felt as if the, the politics had, had come in and, and the judiciary was deprived of the skills of the likes of, 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 of Advocate Malindi. And, and I'm sure there are many other examples where the politics come in um, um, and, and populism, and, I, and I'm not suggesting or labeling anybody as a populist, but certainly, certainly those concerns would arise. And, and, and I wonder whether, you know, as judges matters, there's, there's a view about that and there's probably a workaround because, because surely, surely, um, you, you know, the, the, it wouldn't be 
fair, and I'm not assuming it was the case in, in, in Mr. Malindi's case, but it wouldn't be fair for somebody else to, for, for the country to lose a judge. And, and, and maybe just to digress a little bit, I was just reading about the, um, the shortage of judges in the Pretoria and Johannesburg High Court and, and yeah. the number of vacancies that are there. So we have an issue of vacancies on the one hand. And, and, and so when I, when I, when I invite the comment insofar as the threat of populism, of, of, of politics, of, of personal interest and, 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 you know, uh, personality clashes, that relative uh, viewed against this, this desperate need for judges. What's your take? Well, I, I recall the, the Melindy interview in, in particular. I mean, it was a very long interview. It was a two-hour interview. Mm. And the questioning by Commissioner Malema continued uh, for about 40 minutes. Mm. Um, and at one point, when uh, Abhijit Malema was talking about how important uh, the work of a judge is, um, he actually became very emotional. Mm. Um, it was, it was not, I would suggest, the JSC's finest hour. And I would have to really go back to this question of evenness and fairness. Mm. Um, if you are going to put yourself forward in this kind of process, you want to have the confidence that you're going to be treated fairly. And if, if you're not treated fairly, and if you don't see other people being treated fairly, well, maybe you're not going to put yourself forward. Yes. Um, you know, a lot of advocates and, and particularly high-flying folks, you know, that they're, they're, they're making they're making a good living. Mm. Um, it's it's not a it's not a situation where, you know, in becoming a judge, they're they're earning a lot more money. Um, it's it's considered something that's an honour. Indeed. Prestigious. Indeed. And you want people to have a sense of the dignity of the position while that interview process is going on. Mm. So I think I think there's a lot that the JSC needs to be thinking about. Um, the politicians as well as the lawyers, as well as the, the people who represent the legal profession, you know, who who appear there in order to represent attorneys and mm. advocates. Mm. And I would be interested to know how many attorneys and advocates approve of <laughs> where they're being re represented, um, you know, by their colleagues. Mm. So, so I, I mean, that's that's another take. Um, that, that that's that certainly would be an interesting um, question to 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 deal with. There's 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 other concerns, um, you know, that go beyond. Um, you, and, I, and I speak perhaps as a lawyer. When when we talk about the judiciary, we we really understand it f differently, perhaps from some of the issues. But I've been reading in preparation, even for this for this show, I've been reading quite a lot of articles. Specific amongst them is the views from the Daily Maverick, who who suggest that as South Africans we tend to tiptoe around the corruptibility of the judiciary. And perhaps that this is a real issue. If if maybe I can, you know, sort of invite some of your thoughts and Judge Krikla, if I can just bring you back here and and just sort of get a response on what the what clearly the media um, or, or, or I guess the society is starting to ask questions. And I guess the question also probably comes at the back of the state capture. One wonders whether at the back of the state capture whether that capture didn't extend to the judiciary. 
Are you asking me that question? Yes, indeed I am. I have very little doubt that the judiciary in South Africa is incorrupt and incorruptible. Mm. That it is human and fallible, certainly. But I do not believe that any judges were or will become subject to the kind of corruption that we saw with the state captain uh, disaster. Mm. The, but let's get back to what the Judicial Service Commission's job is and, and the Magistrates Commission's job. Both commissions have essentially two, two jobs. Yeah. And fire judges to select and discipline judges, in other words. The Magistrates Commission I'm sorry, I'm losing the quality of the line. Uh, 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 Justice Griffith, I'm just losing the quality of the line. So I'm just going to pause and please, I, I, I wish for you to, to just keep your, your trail of thought. I really am, am curious um, to hear what you, what you got to say. And, and maybe whilst we, whilst we try to get you on a better line or, or test the line better, I want to take a break. And when we come back, I continue our discussions. Musa, thank you so much. I can see that you've been holding for quite a bit. So I look forward to engaging with you. And, 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 yeah, and, and like, uh, like Musa, you can also give us a ring by dialing 86 We're back after this. The Law Report with Michael Matwening Bell, Kaya FM 95.9. We continue our discussion and tonight we're exploring the question whether is the judiciary truly independent and, um, you know, are we, are we still in that in, in, in the good space that we want to be with our judiciary? Is it still playing in, in discharging the role that it promised to play? And I think that speaking as a lawyer and also as a citizen, um, I'm pretty confident that it is, and and I look forward to hearing your views. Whether what do you think um, about the state of the judiciary, and uh, if you have any comments, any questions, you know, any views and any experiences, most of all, do give us a call. Oh eight six double zero double zero nine five nine. I'm joined on the line by a former constitutional court judge um, Justice Krichler, as well as Alison Tilly, who's from Judges Matter. So, um, good guest to be able to deal with uh, some of your questions, Alison. I uh, before uh, going on the break i'd put a question before the line also deteriorated to justice krichler around the criticism and and i guess it's not directed to the to the judiciary but also but it certainly does relate to the judiciary and that criticism is that we seem to be tiptoeing around the idea that the judiciary may be corruptible your thoughts um on 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 that question Well, I think we are, unfortunately, in a situation where we've got magistrates um, who have been suspended, for example. Mm. Um, And I'd point particularly, I mean, the regional court president for KwaZulu-Natal, Eric Nzamandi, is is currently on suspension. And I read as well, uh, uh, Magistrate um, uh, Naya? Yes, exactly, from Johannesburg. Yes. Um, I think it's 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 tempting to say, well, we've got 240 high court judges, mm. and they are incorruptible, and then we don't we, we don't talk about anything else. But for most South Africans, the cases in court for them are in the magistrates' court, mm. and that's where they see justice at work. And South Africans, if you want to look at the Afrobarometer survey, I mean, South Africans. Uh, in 2006, people were saying that 
22% of judges and magistrates are involved in corruption. And that number is now at 32% mm. in 2018. So there is a, a measurable increase in the perception that judges and magistrates are corrupt. And I think we have to take that very seriously. Mm. And, 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 and one would wonder... Um, what is you know what is to be done about such? Because of course we all, all of us as South Africans have a have a very serious interest in making sure that perceptions, because you know that is indeed also a threat, are, are, are kept at a minimum. And 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 and, and Justice Krichler, one of in response to this criticism, um, Chief Justice Mohueng Mohueng came out and and said you know and 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 stood firm. Um, about if uh, about these allegations and his words were if you have any allegations about any wrongdoing about a judge come forward and let us deal with it and 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 that sort of uh, and a lot of people were, were lauded him for for his response is there more that we should be doing to protect the integrity of of the judiciary is there is there is is there areas of concern in your view of course there are always areas of concern mm-hmm. the public's right and duty to criticize whatever they regard as suspect, to report it to the Judicial Service Commission, and to ensure by nagging the Judicial Service Commission to do its job. Mm. It has not done its job particularly well over the last 20 years or so. The Judicial Service Commission is too politicized. It is inclined to push things aside that are uncomfortable, and I do believe that the integrity of the judiciary depends upon the Judicial Service Commission doing its job fearlessly, competently, publicly, transparently, and quickly, and it hasn't been doing so. And And it's the public's right and duty, including the politicians, to criticize it until it does its job properly. And and, and, and still on this topic, um, you you had very decisive... um, uh, a very decisive position insofar as Judge President Klopp in Cape Town. Maybe just take us through those. The shopping incident is just another manifestation of the Judicial Service Commission's failure to deal with a judge whose conduct more than a dozen years ago was already suspect. Mm. John, judge John Schlopper has not been properly tried on the charges against him, notwithstanding that they were serious and they were made by responsible people. The judiciary in the Western Cape is in serious difficulty at the moment, Mm. not only because Judge Schlopper is the judge president, but because the Judicial Service Commission and the senior judiciary has not done its duty in relation to him. But does has, does that not come down to uh, does that not come down to um, you know the composition of the JSE um, uh, and and because as if effectively we're asking judges to judge judges and and I, and I don't know if that's necessarily valid criticism because I know for example as an attorney attorneys are judged by other attorneys by way of the um, law uh, law society. Um, or the law council now as as it's called um and and that has been a remark a remarkable success 
So I, of so, course it is. Mm. It always has been. And judges should never, ever think of covering up for one another. That's a failure in their fundamental duty as judges. The bar advocates report one another, prosecute one another, have one another struck off for unprofessional conduct. Judges should be able to deal with one another fearlessly, fairly, but firmly. Is the risk, perhaps, uh, Alison? If I can, if I can just pose this question to you, is the risk not, you know, when, when you look at attorneys, for example, I think in 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 this jurisdiction alone of Gauteng, there's about four thousand. My numbers could be completely wrong, um, uh, but but judges, on the other hand, are arguably a very small community at at something like two hundred and forty judges, and you can also imagine that of the you know, of, of of the judges, there would be even smaller groupings, i.e. the senior ones like judge presidents um, and, and, and guys that have sort of been around for long. So mm. is there not a greater risk of protectionism amongst them because they run this very big risk of being a small small community and and you can imagine as well not only a small community that started as judges some of them know each other from the bar or from 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 pupillage and all the way until and and, and and i can name quite a few some of them have actually even been partners in 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 law firms um so 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 is 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 the the small uh the, the fact that they are small community does that not pose unique risks that require some kind of a, a unique solution? Well, I think the, the, the traditional answer to that is that there are two ways of holding judges accountable. Mm. And the first is through the system of review and appeal. Yes. So if you make an error, um, you will be overruled. And I think, I think we've seen pretty, pretty fearless uh, approaches on, on that front. I mean, yes. I've seen, our courts seem to be pretty robust from that point of view. But of course, the second option is where there is some misconduct on the part of the judge. And then the process goes through the Judicial Conduct Committee to the Judicial Services Commission. Mm. And deliberately, the JSC was set up with a significant number of politicians because it was precisely the concern of the Constitutional Assembly at the time that, well, we need to have people who are not part of the system historically mm. and who are not bought into the idea that, you know, an apartheid judiciary was, was you know, acceptable and that we needed to have transformation and we needed to, to have that change. Mm. So the, the politicians are precisely there in order to make sure that there isn't a small group of, you know, an elite who kind of gang up and protect each other. But unfortunately, the JSC has not proved particularly effective. Um, I mean, it has a number of complaints now. The Judge Shoppe is, is but one mm. example. Um, there, are, there are a range of complaints that are simply not processed, not de- dealt with, uh, quickly, I mean, mm. Judge Matata famously had retired by the time, um, you know, the, the decision was handed down in, in his matter. So there is, um, there is a real question mark over the ability 
of the, the, the conduct committee in particular and the JSC and the, the tribunals that, that then have to be appointed in actually being able to deal uh, with judicial misconduct. Mm. I want to I want to take a call, Musa. You've been very patient with us, and I, I really really appreciate that. Uh, thank you for calling, Musa from Johannesburg. Good evening. Sorry, ha- Musa. You want to try that again? Hello. I said good evening, Michael, and ha- good evening to you guests. Thank um, you so much. Good evening. Me? Yes, we can hear you loud and clear. Yes, I just want to touch on a few points. Yes. Starting with the fact that the claim that judges are not corruptible. Mm-hmm. That's a fallacy. Right. That, let, let's start there. Because our judges, especially in this country, mm-hmm. are definitely corruptible. Yeah. We, in fact, um, the, the retired judge talks about transformation of South Africa. In my view, we should be having transformation of the judiciary. You see, Michael, in the mix, in the mix of our judges, mm-hmm. we've got judges who legitimize the party. So you can't for the life of me tell me that the same judge who saw nothing wrong with the black life being taken mm. and actually protected the state will all of a sudden develop a conscience and find otherwise. That's a fallacy. If I wasn't on air, I was going to ask which planet do they live in, but for the decorum of the show, I will use which country do they live in because certainly in our country, we've got, for instance, um, the SCA, mm. where typically you know that if you are a black person, they will definitely find against you. What? So in my view, we should collapse the SCA, merge it with the Constitutional Court. The Magistrate Court is where you are likely to get justice. High Courts, SCA for me, and for most black people in particular, you either need money. If you don't have money, even if you are innocent, you can be found guilty. And judges are definitely corruptible in this country. I'm not sure why someone would want to defend and, and pretend that judges... But I don't think they, I don't think they, I don't think the defense was sort of pitched at that level. I think that it was pitched at a different level to say that um, generally speaking um, judges have high integrity. However, no, 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 but that, that was, that was Justice Krita's word to that. Uh, but he then says they are human beings and they are fallible, and there could be pockets of of these kinds of incidents. So I don't. So just just to place that in proper perspective. But okay. here's a question. Um, for, here's a question for me for, for, from me, okay. Musa. And and I guess now I'm speaking as a lawyer, and sure. and, and 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 as a lawyer of many years, and and maybe magistrate's court m- m- might be something different. But insofar as judges, I'm not I'm not talking magistrate. Insofar as judges. I don't know of any, even a whiff of allegations around judges. And, and even where it does happen in, in pronouncement, largely by politicians of recent times, it is generally unsupported by any evidence. And in fact, even Justice Mokweng, whom I quoted earlier, came out and said, if you have evidence of wrongdoing, please bring it to the fore. So I, I'm just interested, without putting you on a spot, I'm really just interested yeah. to find out if, you know, your disillusion of about the judiciary, is it based on any real facts? Is it, you know, I'm, I'm not suggesting you must come and prove it to me, but is it really based on facts or is it just a sense that you have? Because I'm pretty sure if we, if we looked at the Supreme Court of Appeal, for example, it's headed by a black woman 
and I haven't quite done the numbers, but I know that there's there's a lot of uh, 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 judges of color there. So I haven't quite done the mathematics, and perhaps I could invite Alison to assist. And and also, you know, even on the issue about apartheid judges, I think we might have kind of run out of them at some point. But Alison probably would know better. If, but so just maybe help me. Had- hang on, help me not only as a you know as also as a lawyer because I would would all would welcome feedback. Is your is your perception based? Or are your views based on perception, or do you really have actual experience? If we had a discussion of it, mm. I would tell you that it's not based on perception; it's sure. based on facts. And and in fact, um, you see, judges operate pretty much like a brotherhood or mm. like an Illuminati; they cover for each other. So chances are, in your lifetime and mine, we're never gonna let on. Uh, anything that would stick, I can assure you of that one, because there's a lot of cover-ups, and, 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 and I want to challenge the retired judge. Judges are not fallible. They're informed by their paradigms, which makes them to be biased. That's not fallibility. Yeah, but I mean, that's, that's, an, that's an interesting point. Um, that, that's certainly an interesting point, which, and, and which I certainly would want to entertain. All right. Thanks, Musa. I really appreciate thanks, thanks, Michael, you, thanks. you holding on. You. I mean, you, 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 okay. Okay. So, so my, I'm okay, being directed yeah. to take a break. So let me take a break. And when I come back, I'd like to Not sort yet. of test some of the, the views, uh, by, by Musa with, with my guests. We're back after this. Know your rights. Know the law. The Law Report with Michael Matuening Bill. Welcome back. It's uh, 16 minutes before 9 o'clock. We're having a discussion talking about the independence of the judiciary and, and also the role of the judiciary in this, uh, in this dispensation, um, constitutional dispensation in which we live. And, and some interesting questions from uh, the caller, uh, Mosa, who, who had sort of raised something that I, to a large extent is probably echoed somewhere in some corner of South Africa. But, and I want to ask this question, Alison, if I can just put it to you, this perception, and I think you quoted some statistics on how the perception about, you know, the uh, independence of the judiciary has sort of deteriorated in quality, in, 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 uh, insofar as uh, the statistics are concerned. But I would have thought with the role played by the judiciary in curbing state capture, because certainly it was curbed, um, there were, you know, there was strength given to institutions like the Public Protector's Office, um, which saw, to a large extent, things, uh, um, um, uh, findings or the role of the the Public Protector being strengthened such that her remedial action can have some legal force and effect. And that's just but one of the examples. I can think of many transactions where, um, you know, tenders have been set aside um, and and potential corruption, maybe there we we probably are lacking, and and perhaps that's a different topic. And so far as prosecutions around corruption, but I wonder if they are even before the judiciary, or whether the problem can be located differently. But just to track back to the question, you know, your your views in relation to uh, perceptions as voiced by Musa, and what we have been seeing in recent times through the media and, and the role played by the judiciary. I just want to, to get your perspective on that. Mm. Look, I think one... <laughs> Are you talking to me or I, not? I, I guess can I ask um, maybe Alison to take the first bite and I'll come to okay, you, I'll come I'll to come. you again, Judge. Okay. 
Yeah, Alison, um, go for I it. Think the, the, I think the first idea that we need to, to put to bed is the idea that this is still an apartheid judiciary. I mean, the judges who sit on the bench now um, have all been appointed in the new dispensation. There are no apartheid judges mm. left. So I think... I think and, and that's a know, very important one, and I, and I think it's a very good point to impress. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it is important. Um, yeah. there's, there's it, might, it might have been true 20 years ago, but it's not true yeah, today. Sure. Mm. No, it's not true now. Mm. And there's been a significant effort to, to transform in terms of the numbers. I mean, there's 30-odd, 35% um, of the high court benches is women. Um, it's more only only thirty four percent of the bench is white. I mean it's still disproportionately large. Yes. Um but that's from a position, you know, twenty five years ago. Historical context. But I mean I mean when I look at this and and, and, and I'm looking at the same stats, there's forty four percent African, a twenty uh, twenty uh, I beg your pardon, um nineteen percent coloured and um another so maybe so. So in terms of numbers, there's 24 coloured judges, there's 24 yeah. Indian judges, and 101 African, and 78 white. And I think yeah. these statistics, in my opinion, are much better than statistic uh, statistics in the in the bar. I mean, the Cape Town bar, for example, I, I doubt that they even have 10% black representation at that bar. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so when I look at this, I'm actually proud of the judiciary for the progress that they've made relative to um, uh, some, some uh, bar associations and, and certainly relative to many um, big uh, law firms. So I think I think what we see is a transformed bench, mm. but I think what we also have seen is a bench that has upheld the best standards um, in terms of jurisprudence, in terms of handing down really important and courageous decisions. Mm. So I have really nothing but respect for for the South African judiciary and 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 the magistracy. I think they've done an amazing job under under difficult conditions, but I don't think. You can, con- you can continue to just hope that that will be the case. Mm. I think you have to think about accountability. You have to think about the systems that need to be there to deal with problems, which we know will happen. We, we, you know, we, we can expect them. We've designed the system to take account of the fact that there will be misconduct and that we need to be able to, to deal with it. So there's, there's an expectation that we're, we're going to have to deal with this and particularly it seems when it comes to the magistracy um you know if you already have a regional court president who is suspended because they are suspected of serious corruption um in in the system then you know it it happens to be in KZN I, I I don't draw any inferences from that but you know you you have to take it seriously and mm. and you you know, you must tackle it head on. But I don't think there's any basis to suggest, and, and particularly at courts, you know, at the level of the Supreme Court of Appeal or the Constitutional Court, that, that there is any group in South Africa that don't get a fair shake from those judges. If I can invite you back in, I know you wanted to take a bite at this question, uh, Justice Krichler. Um, the, 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 in my opinion, and, and, and it, it seems to be shared by Alison, is that... The judiciary played a very crucial role in, in, in curbing what would have been absolute and total state capture. 
your your thoughts on that? No, I'm, 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 the judiciary played a vital role, but I don't think it played the most important role. Right. I think the most important role in stopping state capture in its tracks, exposing it in its ugliness, was civil society, the media, and the, the political players. I the couldn't agree more. The judiciary gave them a place to go and report and gave them the assurance that if they brought the evidence, there will be consequences. But the actual spade work, the actual courageous investigation was done by others. The judiciary is still playing its role and will continue to play its role in state capture. But it's a subsidiary role. It's a recipient of evidence and complaint from others. I think the judiciary made a played a much bigger role in the transformation of our judiciary and our judicial system over the last 25 years. Mm. I happen to have been what is commonly called an apartheid judge. I'm Mm. proud of it. I went on the bench in order to promote transformation. We formed a key in the new constitutional court. We formed a key transition in the Judicial Service Commission's deliberations, and there the judiciary has played a a much more important role. If you think where we came from and where we are today, the prospects for chaos were infinite. Mm. It was controlled, it was done rationally, it was done transparently, and I believe that our judiciary today is representative of South Africa and is doing a, a, a creditable job. Not a marvelous job. It's human beings, but it's doing its job. Speaking of your on, you know, speaking of the role that is played by civil society and 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 the media, and 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 no doubt it's been um, absolutely indispensable to 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 saving South Africa, as it were. Um, I want to talk about corruption, for example, which which obviously cannot be dealt with as easily by civil society. And, and, and I think courts are, to a large extent, hamstrung in the sense that they can't go looking for a matter. A matter has to be brought to them. Can I just get your views on that? Because a lot of South Africans would legitimately feel that there's been little movement in prosecutions. In fact, in fact um, I can't think that there's been a high-profile prosecution on corruption. And, and when you then think about the PRECA Act, which is the Prevention of, of Corrupt Activities Act, um, I don't think that it's been used as much as it, it, it ought to have been used or as much as one would expect it to be used. What are some of these stumbling blocks? Michael, I share your impatience. I share your disappointment and disillusionment. And I think most of society feels that. Mm. But I don't think we understood exactly how deep the rot was. We didn't realize to what an extent the prosecutorial service, the investigational service, the accounting service, the tax service had been polluted and perverted mm. by state capture in its broadest sense. Not only the Guptas, I'm marking, it's much deeper and much wider than that. Yes, indeed. And we will see prosecutions, but we will not see them soon because the sinews, the muscles, the brains, 
within the investigative and prosecutorial service has been diminished remarkably. It is being restored, but it will take time. The problem is more serious and the rot deeper than we had ever thought. One of the things that, if I were to ever act as a judge, would certainly concern me because one sees these things in practice is that in recent times courts are used to legitimize corruption and i'll explain what i mean and i and i hope we are able to explore this question in in a to, to, to the extent that it deserves so you would find that if a court has been approached to um uh, uh confirm perhaps a declarator or you know a, a, a declare a contract valid um, and everybody agrees. I find that that is potentially the new corruption because the minute from an audit point of view, from an investigation point of view, the minute there's a court judgment, you can't really uh, make audit findings because if, if, if a, a decision to procure has been sanctioned by a court, um, you're a little bit hamstrung there. And I, and I, and I, and I get a sense that Going forward, that's going to be the biggest risk for judges and the judiciary and probably the justice system. Can I just get your quick thoughts, both of you, if I can just start with you, uh, Judge Krikla. Um, Michael, yeah. judges don't produce evidence. Yes. Judges don't start cases. Yes. Judges don't initiate investigations. Judges are machines at the end of the line, and they are as good as the material that is said to them. Yes. Judges should be honest, they should be competent, they should be energetic, they should be fearless, but they're not there to go and do... And and, and that's exactly... That's exactly where lies my fear, because the... what, What I'm proposing is that the new corruption is going to use the courts because... because people would have seen the power of the courts and they are going to fashion their papers such that the, 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 the courts sanction their wrongdoing because they would, have, they would have played it such. And I think that if there's anything I would want to warn courts about and, or, or put differently, if anything I would be worried about if I were acting as a judge, I would be on a very strong lookout for these settlement agreements that come and, and need um, uh, uh, the sanction uh, sanctioning of a court. Uh, if I can just get your closing remarks, Alison, um, in relation to how the judiciary is probably at risk of being used, even with all the vigilance, even with all the an energy, um, because unlike anything else, corruption is plotted and it's planned long before the day when the, the judge is seized with the matter. I think I think you you're pointing to a very very important area, which is the the possibility of of attorneys and advocates to reach an agreement, mm. which then becomes an order of the court, and the court at that point doesn't really have the ability to reach in mm. to the agreement and and decide whether it's fair or not fair. They they the court's presented with a fair complete. Mm. It's it's very problematic. We have a complaint, in fact, um, currently with with the the complaint against Judge Nana Makubelo, where a series of events in relation to litigation are part of the are part this of is the issue. Exactly. Mm. Um, so I think I think there's a live case um, where 
where we we're seeing that that is something that we have to be concerned about. But again, we must. I think we can't rely on judges alone. We have to turn back to the profession mm. and say to the, the, the profession, "What are you doing Indeed. Um, to hold Indeed. your members?" But I think I think you should worry less even about the profession because it's going to be the the business people who then use the profession, which in turn uses the judiciary. To, to sanction wrongdoing. But anyway, let me thank all my guests. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Judge Johan Krichler. Thank you so much for your time. And I, and I hope one day we get to have a, a sit down and, and talk about the man and talk about even your, 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 your title uh, that you've said you are referred to as the apartheid judge. Talk more about that and, and your role uh, during the apartheid times. <laughs> Good night to you. Thank you so much. And Alison Tilly, thank you so much. Alison Tilly is from Judges Matter. Thank you so much. Talking to you has been tremendously insightful. I appreciate it. Great pleasure. And to you, Afropolitan, from me, Michael Matwenning. Bill, good evening. That was the Law Report with Michael Matwenning. Bill, Kaya FM 95.9.